This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. All right, folks, we are back from the break. Live from the enchanted land of Poland. I'm going to eat good tonight, folks. I think we're doing fish or something like that. Fish, 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 and more sausage. So let's jump right back into this. We are reviewing Industrial Society and its Future, a paper written in 1995, 27 years ago, and how true the statements were the analysis was in this paper as compared to where we are, unbelievable. It was like someone was telling the future. It's like you and I sat down together last night and we wrote this paper about today. So right now we are explaining the traits of leftists. Paragraph 12, those who are most sensitive about, quote, politically incorrect, end quote, terminology are not the average black ghetto dweller, Asian immigrant, abused woman, or disabled person, but a minority of activists, many of whom do not even belong to any, quote, oppressed, end quote, group, but come from privileged strata of society. Are we not seeing this all today? It is the children of wealthy individuals that feel the most oppressed, that talk about saving the oppressed, that go into careers to save the oppressed when they are not even oppressed themselves, right? Political correctness has its stronghold among university professors who have secure employment with comfortable salaries, and the majority of whom are heterosexual white males from middle to upper middle class families. That is all true. It's true today. I would say go back to pre-Trump, pre-COVID land, and it was easier to define things, but we were fighting with the the liberalism, the leftism growing out of universities. Uh, Now I start to talk about the CIA money that's pumped into the universities and the projects connected to such, but just think about the leftist universities and these people these professors that lead these children down the paths of leftism and they get to hate, get, they get these kids to hate themselves. And now it's in schools because all the young teachers were brought up in the system to hate the color of your skin, to hate the fact that you were American, to hate the fact that you're middle class. Hate, hate, hate. Everything is about hating yourself. Paragraph 13. Many leftists have an intense identification with the problems of groups that have an image of being weak. Example, women. Defeated. Example, American Indians. Repellent. Example, homosexuals. Or otherwise, inferior. Right? The leftists have an intense identification with the problems of groups that have an image of being weak. 
So women, American Indians, homosexuals. The leftists themselves feel that these groups are inferior. And I've made this argument for years. They actually believe those groups are inferior, which is why they project that onto them. They would never admit to themselves that they have such feelings, but it is precisely because they do see these groups as inferior that they identify with their problems. See that? This makes so much sense. This probably answers all of your questions of why the leftists are the way they are. My question is why the people who identify on the right argue with leftists without understanding this psychology behind the leftists and realizing you're not going to argue with them and you're never going to break through. This also has to do with the uh, right brain and the left brain. The left brain being more analytical, the right being more creative. And then uh, author's note, we do not mean to suggest that women, Indians, etc. are inferior. We are only making a point about leftist ideology. Paragraph 14. Feminists are, um, feminists are desperately anxious to prove that women are as strong and capable as men. Clearly, they are nagged by a fear that women may not be as strong and as capable as men. Think about that. That is so brilliant. That is so brilliant. I just said, and this could go with not just the feminist, but any of these other subgroups that this author speaks of. But think about it. Feminists are desperately anxious to prove that women are as strong and as capable as men. Clearly, they are nagged by a fear that women may not be as strong and as capable as men. It's just that, that when you break, this is why I love this paper, because like when we spoke with Legal Man, when we speak with Maria Albanese, I like to break things down for you in the videos that I create to simple common sense terms. And this paper does this. This, when I read it years ago, really helped me understand the mind of a leftist. It really did. I mean, it, it's amazing. And it will get into the mind of someone on the right as well. This is an equal opportunity, uh, equal opportunity offender here. That's what makes it so great. And I just realized for the um, video audience that I did not have the split screen up, and I apologize for that. Again, I'm working on archaic technology. See, I rolled us back to the third industrial era, and now I'm not able to survive in it. Uh, paragraph 15, leftists tend to hate anything that has an image of being strong, good, and successful. They hate America. They hate Western civilization. They hate white males. They hate rationality. And I would say when this is written in 95, that was 100% accurate. And I would say 27 years later, we just see the evolution of that thought process. It's only gotten worse. It's only progressed. But what's happening, and, and we'll tie this all together with a pretty little bow in future episodes, that this leftist progressive ideology is what led us into the technocracy to the point where they actually hate humanity itself, and therefore they want to engineer humanity out of existence through technologies like the AI hive mind, like the AI brain chip, like 
genetic modification and eventually replacing us, we humans, with artificial intelligence and robots and some kind of Frankenstein biological, genetically modified, non-human bodies. The reason that leftists give for hating the West, etc., clearly do not correspond with their real motives. They say they hate the West because it is warlike, imperialistic, sexist, ethnocentric, and so forth. But where these same faults appear in socialist countries uh, or in primitive cultures, the leftist finds excuses for them, or at best, he grudgingly admits that they exist. Whereas he enthusiastically points out and often greatly exaggerates these faults where they appear in Western civilization. Thus, it is clear that these faults are not the leftist real motive for hating America and the West. He hates America and the West because they are strong and successful. You see, that is such a great point. You know, the leftist will point and Americans say he hates it for a list of reasons, but when you point out those same problems in socialist countries, let's say like healthcare, for instance, then they come up with excuses for these countries. But I see the same thing occur on the other side, where people who love Donald Trump will do mental gymnastics in order to protect him from his leftist policies, traditionally leftist policies, or his pushing of the vaccine and do mental gymnastics in order to protect him, to cover for him, so that they can continue to support him. And so they're saying is the left will do these mental gymnastics uh, in order to cover for socialist countries or more primitive cultures. So it actually has nothing to do with that. It just has to do with the fact that they hate this concept of America because America is strong. And I personally believe, it does not get into this in this paper, but I personally believe on the right, what happens with people defending Trump is even though Trump was big government and pushing the vaccines, they need someone to run to uh, that's got to be their hero, their savior, and therefore they can never admit that Trump is wrong because it would mean they are wrong and it would mean that they don't have a hero. And without Trump, you have to face true liberty and true freedom, which I believe humans are afraid of, and we'll get into that in future episodes. So paragraph 16, words like, quote, self-confidence, quote, self-reliance, quote, initiative, quote, enterprise, quote, optimism, etc., play little role in the liberal and leftist vocabulary. The leftist is anti-individualistic, pro-collectivist. Now, see, those words, self-confidence, self-reliance, initiative, enterprise, optimism, those words are what I would say the right embraced back in 95. I don't necessarily know if the right embraces that in 2002. We'll delve into that at another point. He wants society to solve everyone's problems for them satisfy everyone's needs for them, take care of them. He is not the sort of person who has an inner sense of confidence in his ability to solve his own problems and satisfy his own needs. That's exactly what I was just talking about that I see sort of brewing in the 
the right or what the right is now. So people are afraid of true liberty, true freedom, rugged individualism, making it on your own. True freedom, if I was dumped in the middle of a farmland, could I farm it? Could I make it happen? Could I feed my family? Or do I need my boss, the corporation I work for? Do I need government there as a safety net? The leftist is antagonistic to the concept of competition because deep inside he feels like a loser. Now, remember, we went through from 95 up until now a lot of that movement. Everyone gets a trophy. Every kid gets a trophy. There's no competition. I don't want my kids competing. I don't want my kids to feel bad because that parent is a loser and is afraid that his child or her child will be a loser as well. Unfortunately, I think we've gotten past all that stuff. I think they already won that battle. They've turned everyone into a loser, everyone into a victim. I think that was actually the result of years and years and years of this. 17. Art forms that appeal to modern leftist intellectuals tend to focus on sordidness, defeat, and despair, or else they take orgiastic tone, throwing off rational control as if there were no hope of accomplishing anything through rational calculation, and all that was left was to immerse oneself in the sensations of the moment. That's very leftist, right? Living sort of in the moment, emotional, emotional. 18, this is paragraph 18. Modern leftist philosophers tend to dismiss reason, science, objective reality, and to insist that everything is culturally relative. Now remember, as we saw through COVID land, science was even hijacked. And brought into the cultural relativity, right? It's like science became emotion. Anthony Fauci, I am science. I'm going to be talking like him soon. My voice, for some reason, is getting very, uh, very hoarse. It is true that one can speak serious questions about the foundations of scientific knowledge and about how, if at all, the concept of objective reality can be defined. But it is obvious that modern leftist philosophers are not simply cool-headed logicians systematically analyzing the foundations of knowledge. They are deeply involved emotionally in their attack on truth and reality. Say that again. They are deeply involved in emotionally in their attack on truth and reality. They attack these concepts because of their own psychological needs. This is getting into why the leftists do what they do. For one thing, their attack is an outlet for hostility. And to the extent that it is successful, it satisfies the drive for power, right? Why do they want to do Drag Queen Story Hour? Why do they want to have drag queens sit down and read books to your children? Well, when they win those battles, it satisfies their drive for that power. And we're going to get into power in this paper shortly. More importantly, the leftists hate science and rationality because they classify certain beliefs as true. For example, successful, superior, and other beliefs as false. For example, failed, inferior, 
the leftist feelings of inferiority run so deep that he cannot tolerate any classification of some things as successful or superior and other things as failed or inferior. See, he can't break these things apart. It's, it's one or the other. And that's sort of what happens with this idea of right and left, like where you have to pick a side. You have to be one or the other, and you'll defend your side no matter what. There's no nuance. This also underlies the rejection by many leftists of the concept of mental illness and of the utility of IQ tests. Leftists are antagonistic to genetic explanations of human abilities or behavior because such explanations tend to make some persons appear superior or inferior to others. Leftists prefer to give society the credit or blame for an individual's ability or lack of it. See, because no one has special skills in their mind. No one is born with the ability to do math or the ability to play basketball. It's all society's fault. Thus, if a person is, quote, inferior, it is not his fault, but society's because he has not been brought up properly. But when you look at a leftist today, if they, if you're not wearing a mask during COVID land or you would not get the jab, then they would look at you as evil, as mean. So you see from 1995 to now, the disease, the mental illness, as Michael Savage has said for years, leftism, uh, liberalism is a mental illness, has progressed. And so let's take a short break. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, folks. We are back from the break. I am Dustin Gold, and this is the Dustin Gold Standard here on Pain.tv, and we are reviewing a paper called Industrial Society and its future, and we are in the future. It was written in 95. We are here in the present, which is the future, as it relates to this paper, and I want to jump right back into it. Right back into this. Paragraph 19. The leftist is not typically the kind of person whose feelings of inferiority make him a braggart, an egotist, a bully, a self-promoter, a ruthless competitor. This kind of person has not wholly lost faith in himself. He has a deficit in his sense of power and self-worth but he can still conceive of himself as having the capacity to be strong and his efforts to make himself strong produce his unpleasant behavior. You see, they are beaten down, but they want to achieve this power. They want to harness power. It's like the technocrats we're dealing with. Ray Kurzweil, Dennis Bushnell, these creepy dudes. Do you look at them as people who seem to have very high self-esteem. I think they, they mask their low self-esteem well. They mask their fears well. 
And yet they want power over the rest of us, which will help them with their problems, their psychological problems. So in paragraph 19, let's go to one. But the leftist is too far gone for that. His feelings of inferiority are so ingrained that he cannot conceive of himself as individually strong and valuable, hence the collectivism of the leftist. He can feel strong only as a member of a large organization or a mass movement with which he identifies himself. Leftists are very much like this. But as you will see later, people on the right who tend to love sports, also needed to join teams. And you're going to see the psychology behind that as well. Paragraph 20. Notice the masochistic tendency of leftist tactics. Leftist protest by lying down in front of vehicles. They intentionally provoke police or racists to abuse them, etc. These tactics may often be effective, and I forgot to put this up on the screen again, so I'm going to do that for the video audience. Also, I apologize. My throat is very dry right now, and I'm sort of running. I don't know why. I don't know if it's the weather or what it is, but my throat is very, very, very dry, and my mouth is getting to be very dry. Although I am not sick. I do not have COVID or monkeypox. I do not feel sick. It's just my throat is getting scratchy. So let's get back to, uh, they intentionally provoke police or racists to abuse them, etc. Now that even goes on today. Look at Black Lives Matter. Look at Antifa. These tactics may often be effective, but many leftists use them not as a means to an end, but because they prefer these tactics. Self-hatred is a leftist trait. Self-hatred is a leftist trait. Right? They prefer the tactics to put themselves in a position to be beat down by someone on the other side. And we will get into this further when I do the analysis between Saul Linsky and his progressivism, what he taught to the leftist community activists, and how that plays in to what these technocrats are doing today. It's a constant push until the very end when humanity is gone. Paragraph 21, leftists may claim that their activism is motivated by compassion or by moral principles, and moral principle does play a role for the leftist of the over-socialized type, but compassion and moral principle cannot be the main motives for leftist activism. Hostility is too prominent, a component of leftist behavior. So is the drive for power. Moreover, much leftist behavior is not rationally calculated to be of benefit to the people whom the leftists claim to be trying to help. You got all that? Did you understand what he was saying? Moreover, much leftist behavior is not rationally calculated to be a benefit to the people whom the leftists claim to be trying to help. So what they're actually out there doing in their activism is not really helping those people. Therefore, there was no calculation behind their movements, behind the motives to actually help these people, you see. For example, if one believes that affirmative action is good for black people, 
Does it make sense to demand affirmative action in hostile or dogmatic terms? It does not, right? Obviously, it would be more productive to take a diplomatic and conciliatory approach that would make at least verbal and symbolic concessions to white people who think that affirmative action discriminates against them, right? So he's talking about compromise or developing a tactic that would in some way be a solution that meets in the middle, therefore to help black people instead of pushing and forcing affirmative action through threats and through violence that gets more white people to actually reject the concept of affirmative action, although essentially they won that between 1995 and today. But leftist activists do not take such an approach because it would not satisfy their emotional needs. See, it's selfishness. I told you, Ray Kurzweil is not helping develop this immortality for you or for me. It is for him. It is to satisfy his own needs. So when these humanitarians come forward, whether out of political movements or out of the technocracy, and try to claim they're there to help you, it is not them trying to help you. It is about greed. But leftist activists do not take such an approach because it would not satisfy their emotional need. Helping black people is not their real goal. Instead, race problems serve as an excuse for them to express their own hostility and frustrated need for power. In doing so, they actually harm black people because the activist hostile attitude towards the white majority tends to intensify race hatred. You see, so when you push and push and push against Uh, whatever the majority group is, on behalf of the minority, you are actually creating more problems for the minority group that you claim to be helping. But what this whole paper talks about to this point is how the leftists attach themselves to these minority groups, which they perceive to be lesser than the majority They perceive to be losers. They perceive to be less, and they're fighting for them to be equal to the majority. So the leftist is doing this out of their need for power. Paragraph 22, if our society had no social problems at all, the leftist would have to invent problems in order to provide themselves with an excuse for making a fuss. And this goes to the heart of what we're going to dissect in this Saul Linsky piece is we're going to show you how they do invent problems. And Alinsky encouraged his organizers to invent problems. And the way that he explained it is that there's a mountain and there's a series of plateaus on the mountain. And each time you reach a plateau, so you send your organizers out You send the people in the community out to fight for sidewalks in the neighborhood. And once they reach the goal of getting sidewalks in the neighborhood, they've gotten to plateau one, and the fog around the plateau clears. And when you look up, there's another plateau. And then they start on the next mission, and the next mission, and the next mission. And that's what progressivism is. It never ends. There is no end goal. And so you see this from the right and the left in cities, This idea of constant growth, Republicans will say, let's bring in more business, we need a bigger tax break, Uh, I mean, a bigger uh, tax base. And the left will say, 
well, we need to grow because we got to house more people. And before you know it, what was once a beautiful little rural town is now overpopulated and disgusting because this concept of progressivism, never a goal in the end. Hey, what's our goal to build a sustainable town? They end up developing a giant unsustainable shithole. And you see this over and over and over. And it's happening in my county back in Maryland. Paragraph 23, we emphasize that the foregoing does not pretend to be an accurate description of everyone who might be considered a leftist. It is only a rough indication of a general tendency of leftism. And when we pick this back up in the next episode, we are going to get into the section on over-socialization. So right now, we just talked about inferiority complex, and then we're going to get into over-socialization. And the reason why we are covering this topic, again, for those of you who may have not picked this up in the beginning, this is a paper called Industrial Society and Its Future, written in 1995, 27 years ago. And it was written by an author that I'll explain to you later on in a future episode. But they were able to really predict the situation that we find ourselves in today as far as this industrial technological system. They were advocating for a pushback and a revolution against the system back in 95. That never happened. And now we find ourselves here in 2002 with the World Economic Forum classifying the revolution as the false industrial revolution, as Klaus Schwab would say. But remember, the false industrial revolution is designed to push us into even more technology, not as a way to bring back and pull back and harness this technology and to choke it out. Their solution is all the problems that were created by the technology that they created. We now need more technology to manage it. And it always leads to less humanity, the controlling of humanity, genetic modification of humanity, eugenics, population control, and Technology, technology, technology is always the solution to fixing the problems created by the technology that these technological, technocratic monsters have used against us. They create the problems, they provoke the reaction, and they offer the solution. And this paper in 95 was so dead on as to where we would be today. It tried to warn us. It tried to tell us what was coming. There were a lot of people that listened. I hear people even quote parts of this today, but no one did anything about it. And now we're allowing the technocrats, the technologists in charge of the system to now run the revolution that's going to push us further into the technological system and further away from humanity. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you all a good day. I will see you tomorrow. I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. You can follow us at pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.